0: Welcome to Wednesday Word, a Bible study led by Pastor John Jenkins of Northport Baptist Church. All right, everybody hear me now? All right, good. Uh, well, first off, it's a blessing to be here today. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I wasn't expecting this. Uh, When they asked me to come down and I was coming to see Joseph and, and, and John and sit down and just fellowship with them and talk about what God is doing, they said, hey, can you come and sit in in and, and this class and teach it on Wednesday? And they told me, and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's gonna be a class with like four or five people in it. <laughs> and I walk in here, and I seen all this high tech with a desk, and everybody got their books laid out and their Bibles, and it's full. And I'm like, oh, my. <laughs> so, but it is a blessing to be here. And I wanna share a few things on what Joseph was talking about. Uh, one, he said that, that I have a vision, a perfect vision and understanding what God wants me to do. That's not correct. <laughs> a lot of people ask me, what do you do in the mission field and what is your purpose? When I think I have my purpose and what God has sent me there, it keeps adding and adding and adding. I would have never dreamed that all of these things would have happened. I thought I was just going to minister to people in a dump. Never in my dreams would I be looking at having workers and putting people to work and having schools and feeding centers and at least a, a Bible college. I would have never dreamed all of these things. And so my worker's like, hey, Archie, when are you going to stop? I'm like, I don't know. That's not in me. And I have a hard time telling people that it's hurting and a struggling, no, I can't help you. And because of that, this ministry, we're ministering into nine towns of extreme poverty. That's who we work with. But what God has put on my heart and when I was actually living in a dump, I I made a choice to go live in a dump because I'm like, Lord, how can I minister to them if I don't know their struggles? If I don't know what they're going through. I'll go ahead and tell you, when I when I lived in that dirt floors and and eating like them and working like them and No electricity, it was really hard, and when I started seeing their sickness, I'm talking about, we're talking about sickness that we don't see here in America, It looked like leprosy and things like that, it it really broke my heart, and so now, people can call me during the night, and I go, because I have a passion because I know what they're going through, and so, but what's amazing what we have seen, and I never would have dreamed this, in the dump, when we first started there, there wasn't no road through the town, it was just all pallet houses with plastic and living on dirt floors. Children couldn't read, couldn't write, uh, they didn't have shoes, they didn't have clothes, they was, looked like something you see on TV shows, they're just malnourished, and uh, uh, it was indescribable. But now, if you was to walk in that town, you wouldn't see that. I mean, they have roads built through. They even got street lights. The people in the dump found out what we was doing and put lights down their streets. And and the children, it's just amazing in their health. And and they don't even look like they live in a dump. They're clean. And so God has taught me a, a very valuable lesson in the mission field. Everybody just needs a help. And when you invest in ones, and when I was living in a dump, I'm like, what can I do? Like Joseph said, guy from Coleman, Alabama, working and and foraging, and I'm talking this, and hearing Joseph talks, he didn't tell you the whole truth with working with me, and why he was skeptical about me and going to the mission, because he worked with me many years. He saw me many years getting mad Throwing things, getting frustrated, hollering, screaming, demanding more. Again, see it. He didn't know me as when God changed my life. But what happened is how God had changed my life. I was working at Garnell First Baptist when they was building it. But that ain't what changed my life. What changed my life is during lunch and I was searching for God, I walked around and I looked on the floors before they put the carpet, before they put everything, people was going through that church writing prayers with Sharpies or the, the what do you call it? The Sharpies, I guess? Sharpies. The, the right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> writing prayers on the floor. Writing scriptures on the floor. Somebody invested their time putting that on the floor for the future of their church, and I was walking around reading it and praying with them prayers and reading them scriptures and they started speaking to my heart and it caused me to start seeking God with all my heart and it changed my life I didn't even go to that church there but I got invited to go on a mission trip to Nicaragua I went it changed my life and my point is in talking to you when we invest in others and when we invest in writing the Word of God on the floors, on the walls, you never know how it's going to change one's life. And you're investing by sacrificing your time doing that to help one. So I'm out here in a minute Have you ask me some questions because I can get talking about everything and it's impossible to share everything that is happening in seven years. And to give you a little bit of insight what's happening. And, like, even my workers are like, really? You're going to do more? The ones that came down here just a few weeks ago from Northport, or a month ago, uh, walked over some land and were a community that the children are very hungry. And it's a community that when we first started working there, it was just an indescribable evil spirit. Uh, there was one, uh, Richard Bradley, he was sharing uh, uh, the salvation and the stories and the gospel to the ones receiving medicine. Now, we're talking about people with extreme sickness, infections, and they would get up and walk away before they listened to them speak about God. They said, I, I, I don't need the medicine if I got to sit here and listen about God. And Richard came up to me and said, what do you want me to do? I said, well, we got to love them. We gotta just give them the medicine. I said, otherwise, if you can't show them love, how would they ever open the door to listen to the word of God? So we did that, and end, he said, Archie, there's a need here. And so we started pouring in this town and working with this town. And amazingly, this town uh, uh, is a town that grandmothers is raising their grandchildren, I mean, their grandchildren, because their, their, their children is a very bad town with women selling their shelves, and and there's no men, and they run off, and it's just sad. But investing in this town, we've seen this town come to life. We see in this town, they want to hear the gospel, they embrace it now, Uh, uh, so we're working about building a feeding center there, and where we're connected, we have 94 children that's from 12 years old down to one year old in this town that will be coming to it. So, but what I'm saying is, uh, these young people was inspired from your church and prayed over the, the grounds. And and I want to talk to y'all at, in here in a minute about what you can do to invest in these young people. And so, but with this, we're going to be feeding between right at, Two hundred fifty kids plus a day, five days a week. We give them a undescribable food with proteins and vitamins, but also uh, now we we do a lot with schools. We have several schools. Uh, uh, even in this town, we able to sponsor and do a school. They named it after me. I said it's the worst name ever. <laughs> I mean. Archie, my middle name is DeWatt and uh, primary school. And to give you what investment impact, and we never would have dreamed this, and got teachers in there. This little girl was taking a test to in the state of Chappas. It's kind of like Alabama in Mexico. In Chappas, she scored the the highest. She was number six on the test scores in all of Chappas in the school system. She made the highest grade. So her, she got recognized to go to the state capitol. It'd be like going to Montgomery, and she's standing there, and they call it president, so it'd be like the governor, the president of Chapas was greeting them and shaking <laughs> their hands and encouraging them, wow, you did amazingly, you did good. And when he read, you're from Archie Dwight Hand <laughs> Primary School, he's like looking at it, he's like, what is that? So this young girl got to tell the story of an American missionary and is coming down and God has sent him there to help us and to accomplish and to build and to do these things. And so we're fixing to build them a a new school there. And so right now, roughly in the end of July, we'll have a team August and that and workers, they will be given over 300 children school supplies to start the schools. We're talking about backpacks, uh, uh, pencils, erasers, everything. Some of them's gonna be getting uniforms and shoes. Kids that would never have that opportunity. Because when I first started in the dump, me and that sat for three weeks. It took us three weeks to teach children how to hold a pencil and how to draw a circle. They could not, they didn't even have the motor skills because they'd never held a pencil to draw a circle. And what we did was we put the four dots and they had to keep it inside and connect the dots is how we taught them how to write. So, but what's beautiful about that is this. You never know what your investment is going to do. We have a pasture and a dump. We found out this. Some of our children from our school, because they cannot read well, he don't know how to read. He, and he's a pastor. He's never been to school. So the kids go read the word of God to him. And when he hears the word of God, he marks it, and that's what he. The kids help him for what he's going to preach on that Sunday. See, he didn't have that ability to actually share the word of God until we sent tell kids how to to read and write. But see. That's you know I thought okay I'm just going to work in a dump and that's it. So but then I'm like the next thing is we started seeing where pastors were struggling because they didn't have the opportunity to go to school. There's no schools down there, and if there is, they can't afford it. So God helped us and we we partnered with a ministry, uh, 4G Ministries, and. Uh, they come down and we started a Bible college, and so we will have at the in our last time we had it we had 47 in our class that goes through the whole week. Now, I saw things that I couldn't believe. See, they were sitting in a classroom that we have with no padded chairs and sitting for all 10 hours. And one day, one of them, I told him, I said, i got to get with you pastors on what we got to go and plan on. And so the pastor stopped, and he said, all right, guys, we're going to take a 10-minute break. Y'all go to the restroom. Y'all go here. We're going to take a 10-minute break. i got to go get with Archie. i got to talk to him about stuff. And the guy said, hey, we'd rather not. He's like, excuse me? We're going to take a break. And he said, we can take a break another day. We can hold it. We can go to the bathroom later. We only have you for this week. We want to know more. We don't have this opportunity. And he's like, oh my goodness. He said, I can't teach you the whole Bible in a week. I can't teach you all about school. So it it opened up into our uh, uh, Bible college. And so... But what's amazing is, my prayer when and God has given me the ability is this right here. When I there was already churches in the dump and in the communities, and I was praying, I said, God, I don't understand. Why do you need me here? The, the churches and the gospels already here. I thought it was going to be somewhere that there was no gospel. And God spoke to me and said, many has come, but none has shown me. So at that moment, I realized the gospel is caused to change life. And when we teach and we work with ones, it will change their life. Because I said, like, Lord, if I tell them all about you, and they still live in the dirt floors, they still poverty and sickness, what have I accomplished? So at that moment, I'm like, Lord, I'm gonna show you in everything we do, everything. And I, I will tell you, I can tell you, it. but until you see it, it's hard for you to grasp what I'm talking about. It's hard for you to understand that they going from dirt floor pallet houses. And Joe's going tell you, he saw it. He was there six years ago when there was no street lights. There was no school there. They was, we was taking the food from our house to the feeding center. There was no kitchens. There was none of this. He saw it, but now he went back. He goes in there, and I wish I had been better prepared and had you some pictures. He sees this beautiful with a creation. It has artwork on it with the moon and the sun and the creation of God, and it has Jesus, and everything with a tomb inside of the school. He sees a beautiful painted, and he's seeing houses. He's like, (laughs) concrete floors, they're houses, it is beautiful, electricity, streetlights. He's seeing a huge church. He went to church the first time on a dirt floor, standing by the dump, horrible smell, wooden plank wall, about this high over your head, and when you walked out, I think everybody gets baptized because they sweat so much. <laughs> now he goes into this church and it's a huge church, has a big roof, it has tile floor, it has everything. And he sees all of these things. But what's so amazing? I didn't build it was faithful. He followed just to learn the word of God for years. And what about these houses and asking them, now people, the ones that still house pilot houses, they're starting to gather up their material to build a house. And I talked to someone, I was like, why you got to build a house now? He said, because I saw what you did. And if you can do it, I can do it. But most of all, you taught me how to build. I didn't know how, none of these things. I didn't know anything about construction. You showed me how to do these things. Because I was praying, God, I build a house without making bitterness and people jealous. Because well, I can't build them all at the same time. But it simply happened because investing and helping. And see, Joseph comes six years ago. He invested and he helped. It was miserable. It was horrible doing something for the first time and not knowing what you're doing. It was horrible. But we kept pushing through and pushing through. And because we pushed through, people has good water. Have showers there and bathrooms. So that's just a few things that I could share with you. And even now, we're uh, working on top of the volcano. Uh, can't imagine that we would be working up in the top of the volcano uh, simply happened because I picked a man up walking down the road and I took him to his house and he invited me in. We drank coffee. and He said, no one will help us. No one comes to see us. And all of a sudden I'm like, Lord, how can I help him? How can I work with him? Next thing you know, we planted 1,800 avocados. We brought back Alabama sharecropping with them. We work with the people. We put them into business and help them. Now they're wanting us to come and start having house churches in their house simply because they saw a miracle. And so um, that's a little bit of what we do. But the greatest blessing that as a missionary, I don't have to say no. That's the greatest blessing that I have. As God, I don't have to say no. Um, that's why we have, we have workers, we are blessed with great workers, we have 14 paid employees in Mexico that is working, that is doing this, that is taking care of food, you name it. Even some of them going on medical. I just had a, a, a young boy, it took me two years to convince his family to let us help him. He's afraid that what was going to happen to him, that he's going to get in trouble, because his son fell in a well and almost burned his feet off. And he didn't have the money. Couldn't. He got angry. He took him out of the hospital because he didn't have the money to do anymore and he didn't think they was helping him. His son has a crippling injury. His tendons in his toes is scarred. They will not grow no more. So what's causing him as he is growing, Carlos says, 11 now or 12? 11? 11. What's happened is the 11-year-old, his foot's still growing, but his toes is, is pulling his feet up into a ball. And so, but my point is, many times I wanted to give up. But I serve a God that don't let us give up, that keeps encouraging us and keeps pushing us, and for two years, I kept begging, let me help him. Let me do this. Let me show you the love of God. But to have great workers, and Carlos just flew a couple weeks to Mexico City to start the process to have surgery. And this hospital would only do it if we would sign that we're going to invest in Carlos because he's got to have many surgeries till he's 18 years old. Otherwise, he will be crippled. And so uh, it's a blessing to be able to do that. To send children for surgeries all over that does not have that opportunity that has crippling diseases. Um, when men and that started in the dump, the mothers did not name their children. They waited till they was four to six months old before they named their children because they only had a sixty percent survival rate. Now the mothers, because since we have been there, there's no children that die. And it, it's all about clean water and, and health and medical teams and ones investing and in coming down there. Uh, now, as soon as they're born, they're already picking names before they're born. So that, that's a blessing to be a part of that, just to see this town and community change. But um, so I guess uh, uh, I don't know how much time we have, I know all y'all probably got to get back to work. (laughs) All right, hold on, let's see this. Let's define work at our age. How many of you got grandkids? There we go, that's work. I'm going to go ahead and tell you when I came home, my grandchildren, I'm like, I need to go back to Mexico because I'm getting beat to death. My grandkids are wide open. They're running all over me the time, And I'm like, this is hard work. And so, and I think my daughter is trying to get back at me, and she's encouraging them <laughs> to torture me. So as a good grandparent, what do I do? I send them home all messed up. I give them <laughs> chocolate. I give them candy. I give them everything. So y'all do that too, don't you? Yeah, huh so, but, hey, does anybody have any questions or curious uh, uh, about the mission? Uh-oh. Now, here you go. ahead and speak up, because here's the thing is, my wife got on to me. She may have to relay for me, trans- because I've left my hearing aids at home. So. You burn mine. <laughs> 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 How you What's that? How am I? Funded. Funded. Wow! Oh my goodness. Well, you know, that's got me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> because here's how I'm funded. When I first went into the mission field, I did have an opportunity, because people hearing about me to go work for other ministries that would fund you and pay for you. I struggled with that. I'm like, God, if I do that, am I following you? Or am I following them? Because they're going to tell me how to do it, what to do, and so, but I thought I was gonna have a lot of time. So Annette was like, how are you gonna do this? And I'm like, because we, when you leave work, we all know this, I, a lot of us, I was working from paycheck to paycheck. Didn't have no investments and all of this money and things to sell. And so I said, Annette, that's not my problem. That's God's problem. It's his problem. If he wants me to have money, I'll have money. So ever since that, uh, I've had this heartbeat, I have to know God is in this. I have to know my passion stays in this. So I had the mentality, I was going bankrupt for Jesus. And just to prove, hey, God, I'm going to outgive you. And after three years of doing this and every need and everything I came in contact with and building and going, I gave up. I'm like, Lord, I, I give up. I surrender. I can't outgive you. I can't do these things. Uh, Honestly, it's all God. And we do coffee and things. I'm like, I would have never dreamed that people would be hearing about this ministry from New York City to California to Texas to Tennessee. Uh, It's amazing what God is doing. And so I'm the, I'm talking about seven years I've been in the mission field full time, and I'm still stepping out in faith. And so uh, I'm constantly challenging what God wants me to do for the next level. Uh, Some of them right now, we have a, we're working on a full container of coffee, a 40,000 pounds of coffee, fixing to leave Mexico to come up here. I have none of it, so. And, but here's the thing is, why would a missionary do that? I'm trying to answer your question. One has been pushing me trying to take over this coffee farm, a 407-acre coffee farm. And it was abandoned for many years and they put it back into a working coffee farm. And so I'm like, I'm a missionary. What am I gonna do with coffee and what, what could even be the purpose behind this? Well, I, got, I struggled with it for a year and I got my answer. I was working and they was having these uh, trees, macadamia nuts, that it was just falling on the ground. They said, it's yours, you can have them, Archie. Well, I had to take workers there to clean all the trees and get it ready, and it was 500 trees. So while I took these people from the dump, my workers, to work, they saw the coffee. And they said, I've never seen plants with that much coffee on it. And I'm like, you know about coffee? And they said, yes. Now I've been working with these people for six years and didn't know how they ended up in a dump. We're talking about 600 people that's digging through trash and and making their living in the dump. And all of a sudden, he said, that's where we came from. And I'm like, what? He said, I was born in a coffee field and my parents was born in coffee field in Guatemala. That's what we did, but the business, they went out of business and we had no more work. That's how we ended up in the dump. We was on starvation and we needed some work. I would have never dreamed that I would be back in a coffee. And I'm like, Lord, if you're giving me this, and we're doing this, and I'm taking people out of the dump to work full time in a coffee field, there has to be a greater purpose. And I can help them do more for them by shipping it to America. And so just, and I'm being honest, I've struggled so many times. God, what do you want from me? I was even struggling. Joseph's been there. Uh, uh, Even Barbara's been there uh, with children. It was breaking my heart when, when children would come up and hug me, and they would ask me, how much longer do I have to live like this? Why can't I come live with you? And I would feel tears running down my neck. It broke me to the point that I was so angry I was ready to quit. And I was actually bashing out with God one morning on my rooftop. And because every time I thought I found a house or a place or a facility, the door got shut to buy to purchase to put children in a home. And all of a sudden, one morning, I'll give you an example. I'm going, when I last out with God, either you do something, God, or I'm on a plane back home. I've had enough. Either you give me somewhere for these children, a foundation that I can start helping children, I'm going home, God. You need to be God. And as we was coming off the mountain, I went by a piece of property. A guy called me wanting to sell a house, and I I was going to that house to buy that house. And for children. Now, all of a sudden, I felt something in my heart couldn't explain it. I'm like, God, am I having a heart attack? What's going on? And so I turned around. And the next thing, a long story, I ended up at this gate. My worker, Jeannie been working for me for many years. She said, I done told you this place is sold. we got to hurry up and go to that house. He's waiting on us now for us to take over it. What are you doing? And I screamed for five minutes for somebody to come to the gate. Nobody came to the gate. And all of a sudden, the gate was cracked, so I opened it on up. In Mexico, that's the greatest crime you've ever done is stepping on somebody's property without permission. And I stepped into the gate. And she's like, what are you doing? You're going to jail. I said, Jeannie, sometimes you have to step into, the, step into what God's calling you for. And God's called me here for a reason. Long story, this worker came. I told him everything. He called the owner. I went in. I sat down. And this guy... So we're like staring at each other. He's like, "What kind of religion are you?" I said, "Sir, so I don't have a religion. I have a relationship, and that relationship brought me to this property for a reason. I don't know the reason. Either you to help me find a piece of property to purchase, or a lawyer, or somebody that will help me do legal things to resolve this problem that I need for kids." And he goes, or I said, or I'm here for your salvation, for your soul. And all of a sudden, I'm excited because I'm like, God's got something. And all of a sudden, this guy goes, I'm a Mormon. <laughs> yeah. I went, God, I'm here for your soul. And he's like, no. I'm like, yeah, I am. (laughs) He goes, I've been praying. I've been expecting you for a long time. I'm going to give you all of this. It's a five-acre facility. It has a basketball court. It's a beautiful, big, huge house. There's really no words to describe how big and beautiful it is. It has tilapia pot. We fix all kinds of things and done all kinds of things. It's become a ministry in and, and, and children, and, a, and it's a home for our kids. Uh, it's a great blessing. So I'm just trying to share these stories to tell you my funding is all from him. And so I'm just still learning, still learning, stepping out in faith, and allowing him to take care of everything. Oh, it's hard when you want to do things. You can come up with these plans. I'm like, I got this figured out. I know what God wants from me. And that's why I've been sharing this with you. It just keeps adding. I've been there seven years. A lot of people will tell you all kinds of amazing things that's happening. And I still don't know why I'm there. But I'm enjoying it. it I'll go ahead and tell you, it's, it's the greatest ride of my life. I wish I would have done it. Many years ago, Joseph is right. It was hard for me in the beginning to have that faith and just to get on that plane because I had everybody in their neighbor, my, my family, my brothers, pastors, brothers and sisters in Christ and church telling me, this ain't right. There's no way this could be what God wants for you because you don't know, where, it's not clear. And it was hard. It was hard sitting on that airplane and looking around and you're the only white person and you can't even speak Spanish. I only know a hand, and I've been there for seven years and I still can't speak Spanish. But here's, there's a reason for that. Praise God. See, I still have my, if you knew my family and where I come from and my genetics and genes, you would understand what I'm talking about. I still struggle with my flesh, with my anger and and me being me. Uh, So if I could speak Spanish, (laughs) we'd all come to Jesus quick. (laughs) Because I'd let them know it really quick. But it's hard for me because it's not my culture, my heritage. And I'm working with, you got to understand, I work with a lot of people. I had one town I couldn't go in for two weeks because I knew the situation and what happened to a little girl and how there was a false doctrine gospel being preached for this sexual sin. And yeah, it took me two weeks. I'm like, God, I can take care of this. You know me, I can come in that town with a stick, I can be like walking tall, I can clean house, God. (laughs) But I had to come to know this, that person committing that sin, is just as valuable to God as the people that is innocent. They wouldn't be doing it if they knew Jesus Christ. They wouldn't be doing it if they was walking into the light. The only reason they're in the darkness Darkness is absence from light. We got to look at this. When we're looking at people, you know, guess what? Cold and hot cannot be together at the same time. It's impossible. The only reason you have cold is because it's absence from heat. Same as God is good. The only reason we have evil is because it's an absence from good. And that was hard for me to learn that, and hard for me to keep loving into people and encouraging people. I had one kid's mother, every time I went in the house to minister to them and talk to them, as I'm walking in, now I'm being honest with you, I'm a missionary, I'm walking in I'm like, Holy Spirit, I need you to help me right now, I need you to bind up my flesh, I need you to keep me from strangling this woman, throat-punching this woman. Are taking this woman's life, help me, help me show love. And I had to do that for years. And all of a sudden, one day, she would always reject the gospel. She didn't want to have nothing about it. This woman, I saw her standing in the corner of the house listening. And as I'm walking out of the gate, she runs up to me and she grabs my arm. She said, I've never heard Jesus described like this. Can you help me? Can you teach me more? Because I know I need to change my life. This is the same woman I wanted to three years before take her life, and now. So that's just my point. Uh, uh, I love the mission field. Uh, I guess because I love it so much, I uh, about work everybody to death, myself. So, yeah. uh, do you? Do uh you? In the cities, towns, for you, do you get along with the uh, leaders of the you know, the mayors and how how do you work with that? There you go. <laughs> That's what the green card is, yeah, mayor. Well, just showing you, with, with 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 government and the leaders and the one God has blessed me with so much favor. So much help that it's indescribable. Uh, 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 um, It's it's truly amazing uh, the blessing that we get. And sometimes it's not a good blessing because I just had a a meeting with some help. We have a lot of problems getting medicine into Mexico to give to people. We have a lot of medical teams that come down and uh, uh, it's hard to get medicine in there. And so they always want to confiscate it. They always want you to pay taxes. It's just really hard. And so I'm talking to them. I'm like, hey, guys, I need help with uh, uh, the Secretary of Health, the Tapachula, please get this medicine in. And they're like, hey, Archie, just send it to Guatemala. My wife's like, she shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> <laughs> to to well, I know when I get in trouble. So. <laughs> But anyway, the government people are like, hey, just float it over the river. And I'm like, well, that's illegal. And they're like, that's how we do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they do. The, I can call them up. And 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 that's one thing that I encourage. A lot of these towns, they're like protesting. We need to get the government to do things. I'm like, no. You ain't giving nothing to the government anyway. You're not paying. You're not Giving no sacrifice, no time, no money to the government, why should they help you? But better yet, why do you want somebody else to do what you can do by yourself? You just got to learn to work together and accomplish these goals. So, hope that answers your question. So, I have a question. Okay. You don't speak Spanish. Oh. Do they all speak English? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. yeah. And sometimes I sit back, you and I'm an like, that goes with well, we thought we were doing really good at that. <laughs> but with the people that we work in, in the, uh, uh, the dump, the landfill, most of them being older, come from Guatemala, they're Mayan Indians. They, just, they speak a language called Mum. It's like nearly an Asian uh, language, uh, very unusual. And so I'm sitting here, you know, in the beginning talking to some of these people. And we had, I was speaking English to my translator. She's turning around and taking English to Spanish to another translator. <laughs> and then that translator was taking it to mom. And I'm like, oh my goodness, there's no telling what these people are hearing. <laughs> so, but all of the younger children, this is heartbreaking, cannot speak their language, it's lost because their parents is not investing in them and teaching them. And what's happened, we even had some that had to come live at our orphanage because they had a daughter fixing to have a baby and a long story, she spoke the mom language, but she could speak Spanish and she really helped us. And she said, we was like, how do you communicate with your daughters? She's like, I don't. We just point, we just want, we never have had a conversation. She said, that's why I'm learning Spanish just so I can talk to my daughters. And so, but to answer your question, every person, every worker I have has been ordained hand of God. Uh, When I first was started there, I, I wanted to know how to minister, how to work with who I was. So I ended up in a Jehovah Witness church. Amazingly, so I could understand it, and amazingly, I'm sitting in there, and this one woman could speak a little bit of broken English, and she said, "There's my daughter; she can speak English really good." And I was struggling because I needed some translators because I was wanting to put shoes on the kids in the dump. So I'm sitting there, and it was her first day ever to come to church, or back; she just had her baby, so she didn't talk to me; she just head nodded me. I'm like, "Okay." So at the end of church service, I'm going out, and I'm like, God, why you got me here? Don't make sense. I don't know, how can I minister, how can I even know anything about this religion? How can I help them? And I'm standing there, and I look over, and she's standing there. She looks at me, head nods again. I walk over to her, and I'm like, hola, and I'm trying to speak some Spanish to her. (laughs) And she looks at me, and she goes, Why don't you speak English? Because your Spanish is horrible. (laughs) Beautiful story is, Jenny was born in Atlanta, Georgia. It was her first time to go back. She was just trying to make her mom happy because she was living with them because she just had a three-month-old baby. And she was struggling, and she didn't want to go back because she was disfellowshipped because she was a Christian. Nobody in the Jehovah, she, she thought I was a Jehovah witness. And that's why she wouldn't talk to me because she knew she was fellowship and she couldn't talk to anybody and she was following the rules. So amazingly about Jeannie, that, that was seven years ago. She's been working for me. She's over administration now. Uh, amazing, passionate uh, woman for, uh, uh, for God. And uh, uh, so it's just like all of my workers and translators uh, is the same way. Uh, Arnold, which is our house parent at uh, uh, the orphanage, he came come to work with me. Jenny heard he could speak. He was translating it all for us. And after he translated that first week, he said, I want to work for you. And I'm like, well, I don't have a job for you, but you need to be praying for God to open that door. And for three years, he only, every time we had a mission team, he would drop work, come and serve with us. And every week, he'd be like, I, I'm praying. I'm ready to go to work. I'm ready to go to work. Because his faith, and he didn't give up, and he cried out for three years. He is a full-time worker and doing an amazing job. And he's the guy that just took the boy to uh, Mexico City. So they are passionately uh, working and running the ministry right now. And so I'm thankful because, you know, even that we do all of these things, we can still get overwhelmed and we can get tired. And so right now we're letting them take over and do things. And so that's hard for me uh, uh, to allow somebody else to do something. And so, but yeah, any more questions? before I get y'all? Because I'm gonna get you. All right. Here's something I have for you. As a missionary, even during the pandemic, I've had close to 100 people a year come and serve in the mission field for the last seven years, constantly working and helping us and accomplishing all of these things in these towns. This year, a month ago, was my first time in the mission field to see what I have saw. I saw a group from this church on the last day. Now, they done went all week, and they tell you about how hard it is. They can tell you about getting sick and not feeling good and suffering, most of them on the last day, they're exhausted because I push them hard every day. They usually pack their stuff and they get ready to go home. But this team had saw our needs and our struggles and we don't want to leave nobody behind and we want to go with more technology and to help people and to, uh, um, like I said, leave no one behind. And they saw that with a, a feeding center And we're wanting to build and feed uh, another 94 kids. And they was coming up with all these ideas and all of these plans. They was, I had, I was like, guys, I'm going to bed. I'm talking about 10 o'clock at night. They're still at my table working on a plan. Now here's the thing is, they have the passion. They have the drive, but they need a helping hand. Because here's the thing is, we all remember how it used to be to get up to go to work and work all day and at the end of the day you're tired and you didn't have no more energy or dropping our kids off to school and getting our kids ready and doing all these times and sacrifices. See, we all remember what it was like. But you see, here's the thing is and these young people, they're like, hey, we can talk to church. We're, they're giving church. We can give all these things. They give compassion. They help other things it's easy for us to get the $30 sponsorship. And as a missionary, I was like, guys, I don't agree with that. Because I don't agree with taking from one to help another. And I don't agree with having to sacrifice and do more, but I do agree with this. If it's your passion as young adults and you want to do this, have your church work together to do a fundraiser event or something come together to raise the money to feed all these kids for a year. It's not that much. But you have something that they need. You've been through all of these battles and all of these struggles, and you've seen God move. Now, I heard them coming down there. I've come here to see, and they was talking to people. I come to see God move. I want to see miracles. I want to talk. I want to pray. I come to see this. See that you have the greatest gift, and also, you have some time, too. I know you're scheduled busy with grandkids and doing all that and everything, but I'm going to tell you, and I'm saying this in a nice way, you ain't get no pity from me if you say I'm too old or I have health reasons. I can't do it because if that woman right there can do it, you can do it. You can inspire. You have a fire right now one of them, he's so passionate and so fired up, and begged me he's he's already booked another plane ticket to come back down to see the rest of the ministry. And he's dragging another boy with him. These young people has a compassion and a hunger. They need some help. and I, And I'm saying this, they need your leadership. They need your ability, because I'm amazed at y'all coming together and studying and doing this and. And y'all want to be servants of God. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be searching. I, I love seeing all them prayers. You wouldn't be bringing all that to the table. But I'm telling you now, right now, invest in others, and you'll leave a legacy. It's up to you to make that choice. It's great. Hey, here's the thing is, it's great. Don't get me wrong. This, this world's tough. Leaving your children, grandchildren, financially helping them and everything, it's great. Believing leaving Jesus Christ is the most powerful thing you can do. And them saying that my grandparents or my parents, they was a legacy for Christ. They worked, they sacrificed, they did everything. And that's the only thing I, I come here today because God's going to do it. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not here trying to convince you to help me. I don't care if these young people help me or who they help. But I know this right now, you have an opportunity because I've seen three people four people, five people, six people on fire and want to see God do something. And y'all can help them. So that's what I have for you today. Any more Oh, my wife is, I was helping Roger's wanting to, I think. You guys yeah. I do him my way down here. He might as well share well, something. As a part, a part of the ministry, he explained real well, God is supplied above and beyond, but that's three people. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. Individuals contribute to to yeah. do this, and he walks out. and God has always followed. But remember, from from as a member of the board, remember it is through his people that he supplied all this as well. So I would just uh, it is something to see. He ain't got time. I'd love for you to tell him about Thanksgiving in Chickawitay, but <laughs> that'll be for another day. Maybe. Maybe John let me come back. Never know. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next week as Pastor John continues the study. And if you're looking for more, find us at northportbaptist.org.